0: Welcome to the Public Sector Marketing Show, a podcast for government and public sector marketing professionals who want to level up their digital marketing and social media knowledge, skills, and strategic thinking. And now, welcome your host, Joanne Sweeney.
1: Hello and welcome to episode 13 of the Public Sector Marketing Show. Over the past year, our workforces have been working in their digital workplaces or perhaps as in a hybrid environment. So how have you kept engagement with your key people? How have you kept morale high? And have them have that feeling of connectedness back to their place of work and making sure that they know that you care about them and also you're equipping them with the tools and the tech that they need to work from home. So in this episode, we're gonna be talking about the role of internal communications in the digital workplace. We talk about keeping your workforce engaged when they are remote a guide to internal communications in the digital age. And we speak to an expert on the topic, Jenny Field, who has just released her new book, The Influential Internal Communications and founder of Redefining Communications. So if internal communications is something that you need to work on, stay tuned. In today's column, I'm going to discuss how to keep your workforce engaged in the digital age. Some employers are going so far as to give staff the opportunity to work from home on a more permanent basis and after we can get back to some sense of normality after covid-19 or beginning to to learn with covid-19 in our society so that means that government and public sector in particular need to pivot and need to be better at internal but also internal digital communications, I've got some tips for you. The first thing is let employees share their voices. You need to lead by listening and making sure that people feel heard, understood and also that what they're saying is going to be implemented in some way if possible and of course if applicable. And also, how are staff going to share their voices? How are they going to be heard if they're not working back in the office? You can't have the water cooler conversations. You know, the side chats over a cup of tea or a cup of coffee. They're very meaningful conversations. People feel hugely connected. But what what happens when we don't have that environment? You need to put the processes and the digital channels in place so that people can share their voice give their feedback, and have an opportunity to be heard. You've also probably realized by now that you need to streamline your internal communications in that when you don't have people all together in one building or on one site, that the comms can be very disjointed. So you need to put your digital toolkit together and get the tech in place. We've seen Meet, Zoom, Google Meets, and Other platforms become hugely important in the past year as we've been social distancing. Some of them haven't been great. The whole world has been on the internet and that has caused uh, some issues with internet capacity and connectivity. But as a more long-term strategy, what other tools can you implement? Do we always need to have a Microsoft Teams meeting? Can we actually use something like Slack as a mobile app to have contextual conversations and where there is a thread and where we can share documents and links and it doesn't require huge bandwidth? Are we overusing email because we're not beside each other in the same office? Is email really the solution? How about recording a tutorial or an explainer, a screen share, for example, and sending that off? How about using voice and video as opposed to death by email or death by text overload? You also need to be clear on your internal comms, KPIs, key performance indicators, and what do you want to achieve? So are you looking at the email open rate? Are you looking at the engagement rates in your internal staff communications channels? Are you looking at logins and comments and engagement with content? Are people actually showing up to your virtual meetings or your virtual networking events? Make sure that you have the goals and the KPIs defined. And then we need everybody in the organization to contribute and collaborate when it comes to internal communications. It's not just the role of the comms or the internal communications manager. This really is a team effort. And what we really need to see for internal comms to to progress and to succeed is the breaking down of silos and the breaking down of hierarchies within organizations we need to realize that everybody has a role to play in digital communications and collaboration within our organization. This is about scalability and this is also about meaningful conversations. So don't just have a, a broadcast and go strategy where you put the message out there on the internal platform, you publish and then you turn your head away. You really need to get that meaningful engagement and understand what's working. And if it's not working, you know, try something else. So get the feedback. Internal comms is complex. It has proven to be even more complex because of the digital workplace. And that is probably going to continue into the future. Countries such as Ireland, for example, are looking at legislation where people have the right And the option to work from home. So, listen to the next interview. We've got Jenny Field coming up, and she has some brilliant insights. Level up your
0: digital skills by taking our diploma in digital marketing, plus, gain an industry qualification.
1: Use the code DigitalMarketing20 for a 20% discount.
0: Visit publicsectormarketingpros.com.
1: It would be really useful if you had a guide to internal communications in the digital age. So between this segment and my interview with Jenny, hopefully you will have that by the end of the show. So I have a little piece of advice, and that is go in before you go out. Oftentimes, digital marketing does not succeed as much as it potentially could because organizations have not figured out their internal digital comms before going out to the larger market. And so they are hamstrung by hurdles and by objections from their staff. So go in and communicate and engage with your staff before you go out to the public and try and get them engaged. What you want to do with your internal comms is prioritize keeping your people informed. You know, if you're sending out press releases, having press statements, making announcements, Are your staff hearing it first with the public? Are they hearing it in the media or in a tweet? It's good to make sure that your staff are informed at least simultaneously to journalists. With good internal comms, you're building a culture of openness. You're building an environment where people are encouraged to speak up, where people are encouraged to have their say, where staff and individuals know that when they speak they will be listened to. It's also useful by leveraging digital tools and tactics that you can increase employee engagement. Employee engagement is really important. It increases the, the attractiveness as your organization for a place to work. It also has an impact indeed, I think, on the final external comms as well, especially when all the eyes of the media and scrutiny are on government and public sector agencies. You wanna build that sense of trust and transparency also from an external point of view, but you cannot do that if you really don't get your own house in order first. You need to, at this stage, be providing more digital opportunities for your staff. You cannot expect them to operate in the digital age without the tools that they need to do their job. So if you're expecting them to engage with you as an employer, then you have to give them the tools to do that. Really introduce and expand your CPD programs in terms of upskilling and equipping people because digital is still a scary place for a lot of people. And if you're trying to introduce new systems and ways of working that are digitally focused, you might be isolating a cohort of your staff that really have a fear around digital. And I know that because I work with people a lot on this topic. And my first job is to try and quell that fear, demystify digital, and really talk about how it's going to empower them in their work and solve their problems. So you need to do that as well. Create an environment of inclusion, inclusion for different ways of working, but with digital at the center. All of this will allow you to scale digital transformation because digital is not the sole responsibility of the comms department. Digital is responsibility of the entire organization and indeed every single staff member within it. And then finally, don't forget that your staff can be advocates online. I'm doing a lot of training recently with organizations who want me to help their teams become confident and competent on Twitter and on LinkedIn in particular, and staff using their own personal channels, but to advocate and to showcase the work of their organisation and of course they're happy to do it and they're very proud of the work that they're involved in. So internal communications has been transformed by virtue of digital disruption but it also has been fast tracked because of COVID-19 and because we are working in a world where the workplace has now gone digital.
0: A one-stop-shop digital marketing and social media resource. Join our Membership Academy for 12 months. Access a library of how-to videos, template strategies, and organizational policies. Monthly live coaching. Attend webinars with subject matter experts. Meet and network with public sector pros from across the world.
1: Use the code MEMBERSHIP20 for a 20% discount.
0: Visit publicsectormarketingpros.com
1: I'm delighted to be joined by Jenny Field in today's show. She is the author of the recently published Internal influential communications. She has 20 years' experience in all forms of comms, and it's this experience that she's put into her book. She's also the founder of Redefining Communications, and coincidentally, Jenny and I are in the same business coaching group with Chris Ducker in the UK. So sit back, enjoy, and be inspired by all of Jenny's insights into influential internal comms in the digital age. Jenny, you are so welcome to the show. First of all, I want to say congratulations on the publication of your new book. How do you feel as an author?
2: (laughs) Thank you very much. Great to be here. Um, Oh, I feel a bit anxious, actually. It's sort of relief, anxiety, excitement, every emotion, I think. So I
1: guess you have put your entire career into the book and to give us best practice on internal comms. Tell us a little bit about the book and maybe the inspiration for for writing it.
2: Sure. So, um so the book is called Influential Internal Communication and it's it's basically my brain in a book. So, it's all the different elements that I believe you need to consider to really create internal communication inside your organization that will drive engagement and efficiencies because I think it has to do both. Um, The book also includes my model, which is the field model, which is how to help organizations go from chaos to calm. Um, And that's really the inspiration for the book was working out what I do um, and working out how to phrase that around, I take organizations from chaos to calm. Um, And then the model kind of fell out of that. And then the book fell out of that. And it's been yeah an 18 month journey of, of getting my head onto paper.
1: And you know what? It's such a valuable thing to do. Having written and published two books, I know the process from getting it from your head onto paper. But the beauty of it is that you can hand it over to somebody and you can say, this is my model. It's a step-by-step approach. And I think what you've created is probably a handbook. Now, I want to just let people know, you started your career in government and public sector. Obviously, my audience is, is that niche, but will this book be helpful to both private and public sector?
2: Yes, because it it it's had two parts as a book. So the first part is around the foundation. So it's explaining internal communication, um, it's talking about organizations and it's talking about people. And anyone can Can read the the whole book. And and it's one of those books that's aimed both at communication professionals and marketing professionals, but also business leaders and chief operations officers and and all those different roles that you might have. So the first part is the foundations. And then the second part is the model. And as I talk about the model, I go on to talk about how you can apply it to teams, how you can apply it to mergers and acquisitions, how you can apply it to to growth. Some of that language might not be so relevant for public sector, but there's definitely things that happen, you know, in councils merging or trusts or changes in the NHS as to where things are moving from being, you know, 17 things to four things. So all of those things still apply because organisations, no matter what they are, are people. And, you know, people exist in every organization and they are individuals and therefore communication is so important. So it doesn't really matter what sector you're in.
1: How much of play did the digital age have on the book now? I'm also intrigued by the name of your company, Redefining Communications. Is there a lot of uh, hat tips and, and nodding to the digital age and digital workforces?
2: There is a little bit. There's, there's also a bit of a nod to COVID and the pandemic because it was written while that was going on. Um, but the digital, the digital side of it for me is, is making sure that we don't forget people along that journey. So for years we've talked about um enterprise social networks and um digital workplace and all those things being the silver bullet to make collaboration and everything more efficient inside organisations. And it's just not true. It's not going to happen without Taking people on that journey, so there's a bit of a nod to it, but I try and stay away from looking at the channels and things that you'd use to communicate because it's more about the the approach of helping people go through that change.
1: So, give us some insights. And I have a copy of the book for one of our listeners slash viewers, um, and I have a twenty percent discount code for others who want to get a copy. Um, but give us a little insight into the the field model for internal comms.
2: So there are three phases to the model. It's uh, understand, diagnose and fix. And I always use a medical analogy when I talk about the model, because what we often do in organisations is we treat the symptoms. So if we take that in uh, in you know everyday life, I might have a headache and I might then go and grab some painkillers because it's going to get rid of, of the headache. Now, had I Maybe explored the reason for that headache, and that reason for the headache might be that I need new glasses. My treatment would be different. It wouldn't be the pain, it might be the painkillers as a short term fix, but it would be going to the opticians and getting new glasses. It's the same um, approach for organizations. So if you understand the symptoms, which could be things like people going off on stress, Um, issues within teams, friction, people not getting on, the say-do gap existing with leadership. There's lots of different things that I would would class as chaos. Then you can diagnose what's causing those, and you can do that in a number of different ways, and the book takes you through all the different ways you can do that. And then you can move on to fix. And the fix will always include things around strategy. It will always include things around behaviours. But it is different for everybody, albeit there are some core elements to it. So it's those three phases trying to help organisations and teams fix things for the long term. So not doing just the quick wins, because to invest your money and time in something, it's got to be something that's going to do what you need it to do.
1: So I talk about digital transformation and digitising communications processes for government and public sector. But oftentimes we get stuck at the prelude to transformation, which is culture. And I say you can't change on the outside as in externally communicate with your audiences digitally if you do not have buy-in and processes and a culture of digital first internally. So how much does culture play a part in in your model?
2: Uh, all, and it's one of those ones that always comes up as well, because you often find that people are trying to create a culture and they'll create a group of people that will look after culture. So these are the people that will be responsible for the for the wellness stuff or the or the social activity. That isn't culture, and that's where we fall down. So you have to make sure that everything is true to you as an organisation. You've got to look at your values. You've got to look at your purpose. Um, and you've got to look at how you're hiring people. You've got to look at how you're supporting them. All of that is is your culture. And there's lots of definitions of, of culture, but if you're not – hiring people, not looking at the employee experience and all of those things, then it's not going to feel right. And I think when it comes to digital, you've got to think about how the digital processes or the digital workplace is going to change how stuff happens. Because if culture is how things get done around here, that's going to fundamentally shift when you put digital workplace tools in place so you've got to think about the impact of that you've got to help people go on that journey you've got to take the fear away you know and it and those are the things that we often forget
1: what then can we do to have better communications with our with our team members whether they're remote or whether they're they're working with us you know has has that advice changed over the years
2: um, I don't think it's particularly changed and i was I did some research a few years ago into communicating with a deskless workforce, so looking at train drivers, bus drivers, and the things that were important to them are are very similar to the things that are important to anybody and In a pandemic world where people have been forced to work more remotely, those things are coming more to the fore in that sense as well, and those are things like relevance. Um, of the communication that you're receiving and that's really important and that's where digital for me can really play a role because you should be able to have things that are relevant to you in your role that help you do your job that keep you informed Um, And that's kind of the key thing that I think is going to start to shift. And that takes time because it takes an investment in things that often we don't invest in inside organisations, but we do invest in for our external audiences. So the relevance piece, I think, is is definitely going to be more important. And I think when we're looking at our communication and, and how we're engaging with each other, there has to be something about the the community side and also the non-work communication. You know, that's the thing that's been hardest in the pandemic, that you're forced into you know Zoom meetings or Teams calls or whatever it might be. And they're all about work, that we've we've lost that ability of small talk and we've lost that ability of getting to know each other and building those relationships. And that takes that takes time. And that's something we're not used to doing in a digital world.
1: So what does great internal comms look like? Do you have any examples? (laughs)
2: <laughs> i'll always use the economist's answer of it depends um so it always depends on your culture it depends what you do as an organization you know i could go in somewhere and say you know you absolutely should have facebook workplace in here i could go somewhere else and say you absolutely need a pdf newsletter and you just need to pin it on a notice board it all depends on what's going to be right for the organization based on where they are the journey they're on where the employees are all of those different things. So it really does depend. What we've learned in in research that I've done is that really when it comes to the channels or the tactical side of communication, it doesn't really matter which one you use, but doing one of them very well is what's important. So you don't want to have loads of different ways to communicate. You're better off to invest in doing one thing and doing that very, very well, and then building on that and having more things uh, around it as an integrated channel mix. But also, you know, When we think about what does good look like, and it does depend, it also has to be an investment in your line managers and your leaders and their communication skills. We forget that and we don't do that very much. So if you're promoting people into management roles, then make sure you're giving them the skills to communicate effectively with their teams as well.
1: Have you come across the the dynamic now of staff being advocates for companies online? I'm getting requests for more and more training Um, Along these lines with the realisation that personal versus professional, those lines have no longer just blurred. They're actually overlapping. What's your view on that?
2: Yeah, I was reading a report actually recently about context collapse and how that's impacted how we're seen online because of that external, internal and all our roles merging together, um, that you don't have that divide so much. So, yes, I think I think that is going to play a role. I think employee advocacy has has been one of those things that's been around for a really long time, and people have very different views on those. I think think it's hard because I think your employee experience is so local to you that it depends so much on your relationship with your manager, how you're treated, uh, and that's very specific. And I think if you're looking people to be advocates, you could have people at the other end of the spectrum at the same time. I think there's also just so much fear around what can I say about where I work, what's allowed, what do I have to declare as an ad under the ASA guidelines from influencing. You know, there's lots of things to consider now that maybe weren't as considered when social media first came on the scene. So I think it's something people are looking at. But for me, it's got to be genuine. You know, If you're looking for people to be advocates and you're looking for people to really you know sing the praises of of your organization and and make people understand more about what you're doing then you have to be a very purpose led organization brands like bold foods innocent patagonia timpsons you know there's there's lots of brands out there that are very purpose led as organizations and that's where you will get advocacy trying to do it you know as a FTSE 100 and your main goal is shareholder return you know or try, you know is is going to be difficult but in the public sector you're going to have um you should have an absolute army of people that are there because of the nature of people that work there are often very purposeful and purpose-led individuals. So it should be a breeze.
1: (laughs) And that's a great point because, you know, I have a number of clients and people who have taken my courses where they're beginning to leverage their team members for social media and organisational advocacy. And, you know, previous to social becoming mainstream media, their narrative was driven, driven by traditional media. And let's face it, public sector, by and large, often are making the headlines not for good news, but for bad news. If you think about health, policing, national government, politics. I mean, you know, the the, the bold headlines aren't saying, you know, aren't our leaders brilliant? It's usually, mm-hmm. you know, something that's gone wrong. Um, and so... Now stepping into the breach and staff telling their own stories about, you know, patients that they care for, their other colleagues who've gone the extra mile, that's a very different narrative, right, in the public domain.
2: Yeah, and but also you know people buy people essentially. So seeing someone that's that's being an advocate, I mean, Dr. Alex George is a really great example of that. Who you know, an ex Love Islander and doing some great work in the space in terms of sharing his story. You know, you believe him, you buy into to him, and you can see exactly what he's doing and how he's doing that for for good. So that's where I think it can have a really great effect because you're seeing that side of it. Where it's difficult is where You'll have people that, you know, will want to speak their truth. And that's quite a phrase that's coming up this year of, well, this is my truth, just because it's different to yours doesn't make it wrong. No, it doesn't. But if you've got someone and you've got an advocacy programme and people are not having that experience, you've got to be prepared for them to share that as well. So there's a lot of risk and reputation to consider in it that I would always be cautious of, but I'm always on that more cautious end of those things than than the (laughs) free-for-all.
1: So what would you say to somebody who's perhaps working in a comms role or a digital role, and what they're struggling with in the main is that they want to scale digital communications, realising that the subject matter expert over in the, the research department has all of this knowledge, but they're completely allergic to social, allergic to digital, don't use it personally, and feel that it's not their role. However, the comms person is saying, well, you have information that the public will just, you know, consume and consume. And you're probably the hero. How how can you negotiate those relationships?
2: So, that for me is all about being a coach and an advisor when you're a communication professional. And if you're working as a senior communication professional, those are the skills that you want to be looking at. So, you've got to help people feel safe and you've got to help them um, understand that you're with them and that you're not putting them at risk because it is fear that drives a lot of that. There's a great book called Get Social, which I read uh, a few years ago, and it talks about that fear and overcoming that for leaders, which is often what it is. So, for me, even applying my model to that is understand what's really making them not want to do it. (laughs) You know, have that conversation of, you know, what's stopping you? What's making you feel that you don't want to do this? Because quite often it might be the platform and then you can say, great, well, why don't you give me the content and I'll do it? And you have to gradually take them on that journey. If you then say to somebody straight away, right, here's a, you know, here's a Twitter account I've created for you. (laughs) go forth you know they're not going to do it so you've got to do those little steps we said earlier about what does good look like for internal communication i said for some people it will be an app for others it will be a notice board you know it doesn't mean that you're not going to get to the app in the end but you've got to take people on that journey you can't often go from nothing to amazing digital transformation because it takes a while for people to get there so Have that end goal in mind of what you're aiming for. If you've identified that person, I want them to be doing thought leadership pieces. I want them doing this, 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 this. Great. Give yourself, you know, maybe three to six months to get there and invest time in that person to help them get there. Um, And that's, that's the difference is investing your time in enabling that to happen. And if you're very clear as that's your goal, then investing time in them will be really easy because it will become one of your priorities.
1: That's brilliant advice. Communications professionals need to be coaches. I love it. And it rings true because any study that you read on why people leave their job and move to another company, more often than not, the reason is not monetary. The reason is because they didn't feel valued. So investing time, it makes so much sense when you say it like that, doesn't it?
2: Yeah, And and it is. Um, everything i talk a lot about busy being a myth you know people saying oh, i'm really sorry i've just been really busy you know it's it's nonsense because actually all you've done is just not prioritize that piece of work you know it's it's an easy thing to say oh, i'm sorry i haven't got back to you with that i been really busy well, why wouldn't you just say oh, i'm sorry i haven't got back to you with that i've just had to prioritize some other things which feels a bit weird but it's absolutely true and I'm very uh, clear, I suppose, in terms of the goals I'm trying to achieve. I always have been when I worked in house. And it's, it's, if it's important to you, you'll, you'll do it and you'll find the time to do it. And if you're looking to build employee advocacy, if you're looking to do digital workplace transformation, you have to invest in people and your time is, is not best spent with the tech necessarily. Your time is best spent with the people to take them on the journey.
1: Oh, my goodness. I'm never going to send an email again and say, I'm sorry, it's taken me two days to get back to you. I was busy. <laughs> I'm going to rethink that. That's brilliant. Let's talk for a minute about crisis comms. Um, One of my favorite topics when it's not my crisis. I don't mind managing somebody else's digital crisis, but... I often see that we have maybe in in organizations where the crisis is happening and everybody's focused on the external comms and what the media are saying and what's being said on social and maybe forgetting to actually tell their staff first do you yeah. do you touch on that on your book or do you have any insights
2: I don't touch on 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 that too much, but it's I mean, I do a little bit because I do talk about how we've seen this um, this shift in recent years where people will publish <laughs> things that are shared internally. And now people will go, oh, I didn't know anything about this. Uh, and you can't hide anymore because social media is too quick. There's too much pace. The conversations that were once down the pub are now on Twitter. You know, it, it is quite it is quite different. So you do have to be mindful of that. That's just about alignment of of different communications functions inside organizations. And predominantly, internal communication sits within the corporate communications function. Sometimes it sits in HR, um, but predominantly, it's in the corporate comms function. So it shouldn't be this much of a disconnect between what's going on outside and inside. But it is about making sure that you can get through the layers of the organization. And that's the bit that is harder. You know, it's quite... I'm oh, going to get lynched for this. It's quite easy to send something out to the masses <laughs> um, because you've got a lot of ways of doing that, and then people will amplify it and share it. If you're sending out something and you've written it on your internet and you've got ten thousand people uh, to reach, of which you know eight thousand are offline workers, you know doing bin collection, garden waste, you know NHS frontline, whatever they might be, for that news to reach all those people in time is is really hard because you don't have that accessibility. So there's lots of things to to think about, but um, yeah, I think think it will get better. I think it is getting better, but I think it can lead to a lot of um, challenges and risks for people, but there's much better books on crisis communication than than mine is. Amanda Coleman's book uh, on crisis communication is excellent. So definitely one I'd recommend.
1: Brilliant, thanks for the recommendation. I've got a final question for you. And it relates to silos in organization and traditionally government and public sector are very hierarchical. So people get jobs and they have grades. I've always felt that that doesn't just align with, you know, an ambition and a vision to have great internal comms. Also, when I'm looking at digital transformation, it is those exact silos and that hierarchical nature that prevents transformation because Digital is everyone's responsibility. Do you have um, any insights on silos, grades versus having an, an open and
2: shared floor, if you like, flatline? Um, so I think this is the, absolutely the challenge that we've got with public sector. And, you know, my experience when I worked in public sector was exactly that. And that's going back quite a few years now of it being very hierarchical. I've worked in organisations where there are grades and you go from grade to grade and all of those things, but not as hierarchical as public sector. Now, that is a very big sweeping statement. And I'm sure there are pockets you know where it isn't like that. But there is something in the nature of the way the organisations are structured and the cultures that exist that are very much aligned to that hierarchy. Part of that journey, therefore, of digital transformation is to change culture. So you're doing both things at the same time. And, if you're, and you have to have buy-in from the senior leadership team to do that. Because if you don't have the senior leaders bought into the fact that digital flattens hierarchy, it's going to be a tricky journey and a tricky conversation to have. So I think it's being able to identify the stories around the digital transformation that will drive that change, if that makes sense. So where you're trying to find the ways of, well, if we do this, this is what will happen and it's okay. You know, and it doesn't mean that you don't have, you know, the authority or anything like that. It's trying to understand what it is people are scared of losing and then trying to offset that by what you're gaining. And I think that's part of the stories that you need to tell.
1: Oh, you're so insightful. I can't wait to get into the book. Now, let's leave people with, with one takeaway. If there's one thing that they can do immediately to try and improve internal calms, And I know that's kind of like... <laughs> That's that's a really big question. Is there, <laughs> is there is there something where they can take action that's meaningful, but yet it's easy to do?
2: So don't take the symptoms at face value. So if someone's coming to you and saying this is going on, can you please do a post campaign? I mean, they wouldn't do that now because we're mainly digital. But you know, don't take that on face value. Be curious. It's okay to ask questions. Um and our curiosity is our biggest strength as communicators. So that's the big thing to to start doing now.
1: Jenny, what an absolute pleasure to have you on the show. Congratulations once again on the
2: book. Thank
1: you. Um, And I I think you're going to be busy. (laughs) I'm predicting (laughs) that you're going to be really, really busy. But um, thank you for putting everything into a book. Um, I think books are so important. Obviously, I love digital, but I also love books. And People say to me, your book is great. It's a handbook. And I think yours is going to be that yeah. handbook that people can go to and refer to. Um, and so, yeah, I, I will watch you with interest and in progress. But thank you so much for joining us on the show. Thank you so much for having me.
0: Level up your social media skills by taking our diploma in social media plus gain an industry qualification.
1: Use the code Media 20 for a 20% discount.
0: Visit publicsectormarketingpros.com.
1: Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of the Public Sector Marketing Show. And as always, I've got a freebie for you. Today, I've got a free copy of Jenny Field's brand new book. So what I want you to do is to comment on your favorite social network and tag me and let us know what your favorite quote from today's show is. Jenny has also kindly given us a 20% discount code Offer books, so you need to go over to publicsectormarketingpros.com forward slash podcast and find this episode. As always, thank you so much for tuning in, and I'd really appreciate if you could recommend the Public Sector Marketing Show to a pro that you know. And if you haven't already, I really would like you to rate, review, and to subscribe. Subscribe to the Public Sector Marketing Show on YouTube or on your favorite podcast platform. Until next time, stay digital and I'll talk to you on the next show.
0: Thank you for tuning into this episode of the Public Sector Marketing Show. This episode has ended, but your digital journey can continue. Head over to publicsectormarketingpros.com to access resources and links mentioned in today's show and to connect with Joanne and her team. Until the next time, be sure to subscribe,
2: rate and review on your favorite podcast platform.